This is the Mustard Seeds Podcast. We fail miserably at informing you of anything important, but we do so with wit and banter. Well, we think we're cool at least. I'm Colby Selinski, and the voice you're about to hear is Ian Jacobs. This week's episode is brought to you by Cinnamon Bobka. Another Bobka? Another Bobka? Another Bobka. This is the 25th anniversary of... This week is the 25th anniversary of the pilot episode... Today is July 7th. Yes. July 5th, 1989 is the day that life began. Seinfeld. But, but that's really the day. I mean... But I think it was important that we said it. Everything before that was irrelevant. It took us uh, about 51 so. seconds to mention Seinfeld. That's what we're talking about there with the Cinnamon Bobka, the Chocolate Bobka episode. And we'll get in a little bit later our favorite episodes. I know that Seinfeld has been a pretty big influence on my life. It's actually how we met. Or it's how it? we bonded. We went, to the, we went to the show. We, went to the, we did. We, we saw Jerry. We saw Jerry. Yeah. yeah. We, we met, and then we were like, oh, Jerry Seinfeld's coming to town. And we were like, oh, yeah, I like Jerry Seinfeld. And, and, I, and you said, yeah, yeah, I do too. And then we went. And that was in 2010, and that was a phenomenal show. 2010. London, Ontario. He had a joke about the Blackberry. Yeah, the black, you losing your battery. Yeah, but no, 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 he had a joke about how people became like zombies with okay. Blackberry. Yeah. Which they still are, but now they do with iPhones and, and Androids. Yeah. But like 2010, I'm just saying, it was a time when the black, with, like that joke was still relevant. The best joke that I, or are you done with your story? I wasn't sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The best joke that I saw during that little yeah. shtick that he did was he compared losing, uh, having low battery on your device to right. having low energy. So as the bars on your battery went down, your energy levels went down. And he went down one time, he was crawling on all fours, talking about how he had no energy anymore. It's good stuff. Anyway, this is the Mustard Seeds podcast for uh, the week of July 7th and onwards, but we'll talk a bit of Seinfeld a little bit later on. Let's get into some sports topics. Uh, Okay. It's been a fun weekend. We had some good, some good soccer, and we got some some semifinals coming up as well. Yeah. Um... Robin, not Robin, Robin. Ariane Robin. Ariane Robin. Yeah. Uh, the real villain of the World Cup is that? Is that what we're saying? I think it's a good tagline for him. You gotta keep. Okay, so, so that's his business card. I I think Ariane Robin is the villain of of the World Cup. I think I think it goes back to the last World Cup in 2010 to that final, when he kind of took the charge on the whole Dutch. Like, let's just. That that whole torched earth policy that that the Dutch <laughs> have, which was just let's just kick the crap out of Spain and like we're going to win this title no matter what happens. They ended up losing it with with a red card and extra time. Well, and... he walked off the field. Do you remember? Yeah. He walked off. He yeah. substituted off on the other side of the pitch where the cameras were and he walked all the way around and walked out of the stadium or right. into the dressing room while the game was still on. So a lot of people saw that. Bit of a Randy Moss. And and deal. thought yeah, it was a bit, a bit a bit dramatic. He was it was I think the first sort of global show of character issues for him on right. a global stage. I but mean, the, a, lot of, a lot of soccer fans know what he's about. But the thing about Ari and Robin, and this is why I call him the villain of the World Cup, and right. I, mean, I mean that as yeah. a compliment. Yeah. Like, I actually do. I, I believe you. He is, like, <laughs> because he is, to me, he's so much more subtle than most villains. Like, I, okay, fair enough to say that Luis Suarez was probably the the bad guy yeah. of this World Cup, but he's so blunt. He's such an obvious choice. It is obvious. Like, when I compare it to a Bond movie, right... Suarez would be like odd job, like that that really physical. Like he's the he's the most physically threatening guy cute, in the movie. Cute and also romantic. Yeah, cute and also romantic. Yeah, uh, because he's small. An odd face. Yeah, yeah. But like when you, but then Robin is kind of like 
uh, that Spectre guy, you know, that had the cat on his lap. Uh-huh. Like, like he's the more like methodical. The, doc- the Doctor Evil. He's the he's the guy behind the scenes who's actually controlling everything. I got you. Think you. Of, like Casino Royale. Right. Like the the guy with the like messed up face, like the war criminal guy, the guy yeah. that he was going after the entire movie that he played the uh, poker against. Okay. That guy was like the like the bad guy in the movie, but the actual villain ended up being Ava Green. You know, the girl that he like fell in love with her because she was the actual one who was like. She was the mastermind behind that kind of. Plan. I get it. I think Robin. I just think when you look at what that like the Mexico game, where he dove in extra in the injury time. Yeah, yeah. They got the penalty kick. You know, yeah. we can debate whether he should have dove or not. I, I don't think that it, that it really matters. The point is, he did it like so over the top, and then he just admitted to it afterwards. The thing about Aaron Robin as a villain is like it's not going to hurt him at all. No, it when helps he keeps, him when he keeps doing this stuff. Yeah, no, it helps him, and they actually. keep winning. So. Yeah, and and my I disagree with you respectfully. Yeah, you know what? Semi respectfully. People fair, say not. respectfully disagree. I don't yeah. really know if I respectfully agree with that. We don't have to respect each other. No, we don't have to. No. Uh, I think now it's the stage where Robin has proven that he is. He's the best player in the tournament because Netherlands are still there. I mean, Messi is Messi, but I think in a sense that you watch Robin play and he never stops moving. And as soon as he has the ball at his feet, you know something's going to happen. And whether that's just even a quick pass, you then see him move around again. In the 120th minute against Costa Rica, he was running to the sideline to get the ball, throwing it in. Like, he's everywhere. I think he's absolutely phenomenal. So I think now his play has elevated him to the point where even if he is the villain people still love yeah. to watch him because he's so good well yeah but that's why i do call him like the real villain of the world cup because he's still in it oh he wouldn't be like the the guy so to, he wouldn't be the guy to root against if he went out in the semis or the court so he's been he's the villain now so netherlands so he would ultimately have to make the final and then lose for the villain theory to play to kind of come, come right? through so who's the hero but that's tough though because he, he did that in 2010 so but, yeah. he's already done that, but like he's had that. a much better tournament this time around. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I mean, I think so. Anyway, that's that's that's. Well, I think that's he's been fact. head and shoulders above the rest. Like, and, like uh-huh. I still think, like to me, Wesley Snyder is still like the coolest. Oh, phenomenal! Guy. The coolest guy on that team. He's cool. He's a I, cool guy. I I respect his skill set a lot too because I love how he is kind of like the quarterback of that attack. Like how he kind of he passes the ball in and from where he is. Yeah, and then and then Van Persie and well he hit, and he Ruben hit, chase it down. Ruben he hit. Ruben, he hit the crossbar twice against yeah. Costa Rica, and either one of those goals, if had gone in, I think would have been up there for goal. Right up there, amazing. With several other, which just points out how great it's been for this World Cup because there's yeah. been like several th- goals that it could be goal of the tournaments in any year. I mean, any Robin of, Van Persie's first one was unbelievable. The header from what a way to kick the tournament off with that, and then yeah. you've got Jimmy Rodriguez for Colombia with his uh, chest turn volley yeah. crossbar in. Any one of the five Dutch penalties on the weekend yeah. could have been goal of the tournament. Dirk yeah, Coit's right. penalty was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. How these guys pick those corners so perfectly at such a high-pressure situation, I will never understand. And if we're going to do that, then I have to toss in Ronaldo's assist on the tying goal against the States, too. I would agree with that. Because that pass was from was from eons out. And we're talking about this set. Like, Lionel Messi has been off the charts good, by the way, for the, for Argentina. I think what we're saying is that it's been a pretty good World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I think that's what we're saying. It's been pretty exciting. But I agree with that, that Arjen Ruben <laughs> has taken the next step. And I think because I, I think Robin Van Persie, he hasn't been bad. I just don't think he's... He has sort of faded he had in a, contrast to true. Robin over the last uh, he's, he's He had a bad game against Costa Rica in the sense that he missed several sh- chances that yeah. he, he would normally convert on. 
Um, and, and before we leave this topic, we, we got to talk about Tim Kral, the goalie for the Netherlands, who reminded me goalie. reminded me of like almost like a wrestling Keeper. figure in a sense that like yeah. he, he's, he was huge. Yeah. The guy was like probably seven feet tall. I don't know that for sure. But when the, the goal is that size <laughs> and he's, he's touching it, like he's not even, he's like Yao Minging the bar. Yeah. How do you, like, of course, the intimidation factor is there oh. for the Costa Ricans and the fact that he's walking up to them at the start of every penalty yeah. and, and awesome. basically saying, awesome. like, I got you. Like, I know exactly where you're going. I thought that was great entertainment. And he he, proved, he, he stepped up and he had made two phenomenal saves. So yeah. it wasn't like, let's bring this guy in and sort of hope. Yeah. He was there because that was his no, role on the impact. team. Which was amazing. He made an impact. And actually, people were debating whether that was, like, wrong of him or over the top of him to yeah. go out and, and challenge him. No. no. Like, the Dutch are the favorites in this match. Yeah. All they really had coming in was, A, an abundance of skill over Costa Rica, which, you know, love Costa Rica for playing the way that they did and yeah. for coming through. And the goalie was phenomenal and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But one thing that, that, that the Dutch have over them that they have to use is their intimidation factor. Yeah. The fact that, you know what, we are Holland and you are not. Like, you are Costa Rica, and we have been here before, and we should win this game. So, I thought it was great of him. Well, and especially that... Reasserting his dominance. Especially the fact that they hadn't scored a goal. Like, if they had scored, then they wouldn't have to use revert to their intimidation methods. But because they hadn't scored, and they clearly weren't scoring, it was just one of those nights. I think they hit the woodwork three times in the match. Uh, Van Van Persie had two clear-cut chances in front of the net, which he missed. So it was just one of those nights. I mean, sports, that happens, right? And one, one yeah. of those nights where you're just not going to score. So then you step up and you say, okay, what else do we have? Well, we got to intimidate these guys. And uh, one thing I'm surprised at, actually, with the World Cup, with the amount of penalty shootouts there's been, there's been no upset in the penalty shootouts. They've all gone yeah, as according right. to plan. Yeah. So every skilled player, every team that has a skilled player, they've sort of done their job. So the shootouts actually worked. It's shown that the best team has always gone through on the basis of the penalty kicks. That's true. Which is which I like. I think it's been very good. How did you mean that he was like a wrestler? You mean just just his size was like a his wrestler? His size, his intimidation. I thought like you were going to say how he like ran onto the field. Like you know how every yeah. every wrestling match there's two guys <laughs> who are even, and then one guy runs down the ramp with like a chair. That's a, that's amazing. And, and the ref is knocked out for whatever reason. There's, the yeah. ref's always knocked out for like a, for a like convenient four like seconds, twenty minutes. He knocks the guy out with, with yeah. a chair. No one sees anything. Yeah, brings his buddy over, covers his arm over the knocked out guy, yeah. and then the ref goes. Oh, one, two, three. Yeah. That's what I thought you meant. He kind of reminded me of like John Rocker almost, like running in out of the outfield with his that's amazing. neck pumping. Because like, I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah. that that is exact. That's, that's so accurate. That's what I thought you were talking about. Because when I first saw him, he looked yeah. like Kane, like Undertaker's yeah. half-brother, Kane. In, it, in case you, you know didn't what? know. It was almost like Costa Rica... <laughs> had done their job against the Dutch. Yeah. And they were like, okay, penalties. Yeah. And then you heard Kane's intro music. Oh, and the whole crowd out. went, oh! Lights go yeah. out. Yeah, and then, and then everyone was waiting for Tim Kroll, which no one even knew who Tim Kroll was over no. here until that game. But uh, The Newcastle goalie who has made a name for himself and single-handedly put, well, I wouldn't say single-handedly, but, you know, made pretty a pretty big impact yeah. putting Netherlands through the semifinals. On that note, the goalie that played for the Netherlands during that entire yeah. 120 minutes, yeah. Uh, couldn't help but sort of smile when I saw him cheer on the sidelines after oh, yeah. that because it's like that guy did more than Kroll did. He had made some phenomenal saves yeah, and they great. wouldn't have been there because they didn't, you know, that was... I think that's I one of the best awesome. things about the World Cup is yeah. the whole team aspect of it. Yeah. Like, even with Neymar essentially breaking his back, yeah. like, he's still going to be there 
well, I don't know if he's going to be there, but I mean, he'll 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 be cheering them on. Like it's they're all in it together. Yeah. And I, I think it's cool when you have a sport like soccer, where like some of these guys are making like thirty million dollars a year, but on but in the World Cup, they're all equal, which which I think is really cool. Yeah. And I think that's one. I mean, you mentioned Derek Kite. Yeah. Like he's taking he's getting older now, so he's taking a bit of a step back. But to see him still running around and doing his job out there is great. And like you know, every four years, these like some of these guys will sh- they show up at at the World Cup, and then we don't see them for another four years. It's great to have them all kind of back and working together, especially for Holland, because, like, honestly, I kind of thought I thought that they were done. I, I didn't think that they were going to make it out of the group, not because it's that Spain was so great. I just didn't think that the Dutch were going to be that good. They they looked bad in Euros in 2012. It's kind of neat to see this. They 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 do have a history of imploding, and I thought that would happen at some point. But you got to right. give credit to Louis van Gaal, the manager, for keeping that team together. There's so many personalities and so many egos on that team. And that's not a bad thing to say that there's egos. I mean, professional athletes all have an ego or they wouldn't be professional athletes. They have to think that they can do something at the highest level. But the Dutch have shown in in previous tournaments that they get under each other's skin more so than their opponents. Oh, Euro 2012 was like... Perfect example. And the fact that they've managed to keep up their their goal-scoring ability while also keeping together has been phenomenal. And they are the most... I mean, it's funny to think that the Germans are flying under the radar, but they have flown under the radar. When you've got such firepower like Brazil and Argentina and the Netherlands doing what they're doing, watch out for the Germans. Because that's going to be, yeah. you know, the, the well, Germans are still 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 moving forward at a well, pretty rapid pace. Everyone talked coming into this World Cup about how like South America could have the huge advantage over Europe. Yeah, and maybe they will, because maybe it will be Brazil and Argentina. It could be a South American but final. But still, they got two European teams left and two South American teams left. Yeah. I think they're all pretty much equal, right? Yeah. Like you know, like give or take a couple performances, they're they're all in the semifinals and they're all heavyweights. So they've all kind of hit the same. Mark, right? Like they're all there. It's the the, yeah. the, the unfortunate thing at this stage is we got you've got injuries to uh, Neymar and yeah. you've got injuries to an injury to Di Maria. So the two South American teams are facing a bit of a struggle. For Argentina, Di Maria. For, right. Sorry for yeah. Argentina. What did I say? You, that's what. Oh, you I just, didn't say. You just okay. Didn't say. So so that's <laughs> I just didn't say. So that's unfortunate that at this stage you don't see the the best four teams because I think those are the best four teams yeah. prior to the World Cup. Yeah. Let's take Spain out of the conversation. But prior, we're looking at the four strongest teams in terms of goal scoring. And now they're, you know, two of those three best players are out. Well, and what about the the deal that the Germans apparently have this huge flu bug? Yeah. Which didn't look to hurt them against France, obviously. But again, like, you just don't know. Like, maybe they powered through for that game and... You're playing in what, like forty-five degree weather down there? I it just depends, right? How cool would it be if at some point in the future, sports had evolved to the fan could have the same atmosphere and experience than the player is having? So if they're playing in forty-five degree weather, we have to watch in forty-five degree weather. Why would we? Why would I don't we do think that? we would want that at all. But I think it would take away <laughs> the negative criticism that we lay on players. When we don't know what it's yeah. like to play in certain circumstances, maybe, maybe, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna retract a little bit here. Okay. Maybe not so much the environment, but more so much the pressure situation. I wonder if that's possible. So, in a very high pressured situation, we then put that on the fan. That's the new fan experience. You think that could ever take off? I don't think it matters. No. Because like, are we always gonna criticize players yeah, in certain yeah, yeah. situations? Yeah, yeah, No, no. But what I no, what I'm gonna say is, I think people who do like the like not us talking mm-hmm. about saying, oh, that was a mistake. You you you're not a bad fan. Yeah. If you say, oh, this guy made a mistake yeah. and he shouldn't have missed that or whatever, like that's that that's you're kind of just making like an observation, right? Right. right. But I think the fans who are the, who are those like frothing, 
upset fans, like like those real loser fans. Yeah. Those are people that probably are not around pressure ever in their life, and yeah. it's probably by a by a choice. Like I don't mean to get on people. No, no, but like think of it, like those. those <laughs> I know where you're going with this, Colby. Where where? No, continue. No, no, no. Because I I I I don't know if I know where I'm going, <laughs> but I think people who are like the internet troll type. Right. Deal. You hide behind your lo- like, your keyboard type. Thing. Someone who's making that kind of comment at two p.m. on a Wednesday. Yeah. Like you mentioned pressure. Yeah. That person can't even write their own name when they make a comment. They're all anonymous, whatever. Like, no, it doesn't make it's. So if you are the person that is taken a little bit too far, then perhaps I, you perhaps you don't have as much going for you in your life than you should because this is the yeah, main priority. I I think the people who you're targeting with that scenario yeah are people who would never volunteer to be in that scenario. Okay. Like those people aren't gonna be going to these games. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No. I, I don't, yeah. Yeah. I was a bit yeah. of a curveball. I was just kind of thinking out loud. I don't know if I, what I said made sense at all. No, no, I get what you're saying. But I, okay, well, you know what? I, kind of on that, yeah. I want to talk about super slow motion. Okay. And how super <laughs> slow motion, in my opinion, is ruining sports. You watch anything in super slow motion, and it looks like nothing. You watch the faintest right. touch in soccer of a guy goes down, or even in hockey, a guy gets checked into the boards, and you slow it down to like the nth degree, or like the negative nth degree, I guess. Sure. Would be the other way. Sure. It looks like nothing. So, and for me, it's or very, the opposite way, or the opposite, or someone get like like in hockey. Yeah. Because because I love hockey. Okay. And I don't like it. I haven't liked it all the last few years. How every body check is now like illegal. Like a guy will get hit. And it'll be a clean hit. It'll it'll be, you know, like the guy making the hit will put his shoulder on a guy, but it hits his head. And then everyone goes, oh, that's a hit to the... Well, it's not a head check in the illegal sense, right? But when you slow that thing down and like you watch it and all you see is this guy skating with his head down <laughs> and he gets clocked and his head like Snaps basically back. inverts yep. on itself. Same with football. Of course it looks illegal. Yeah. Same with football, yeah. right? But and and, and yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's the opposite. It's in soccer because you have it's you have the opposite in soccer. Fast paced. You have a guy running full speed. He gets nicked on his ankle and he yeah. goes down. And you slow that down and it looks like he's like it's yeah. the, it's the hair in the 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 hair in the turtle race, right? It's tortoise, like tortoise, I believe. Mm, it should have been a turtle. I think tortoises are slower. Yeah, but turtles tortoises. are just way cooler. Tortoise. Either way, it's uh, and I watched the UFC event on the weekend. Yeah. I don't usually, but I was at a bar and it was on. So that was that the was that the women's one? Yeah, I, the Rousey and Diaz. Yeah, yeah. Or, and Diaz. I'm not sure her name. It was on mute. Uh, Canadian woman yeah, and Canadian. a very very aggressive. The woman who won with one could have fought with the men. Like she she's was, in the Expendables three. She is she did not know she's that in the movie. Wow, yeah. where to go? Uh, they slowed down the right the <laughs> the meat pounding she gave yeah. her. In the headlock, which was 10 punches before the ref even jumped in. They slowed that down to super slow motion. Joe Rogan is counting the one, two. He didn't get past two because it was yeah. so slow. They weren't even coming. It was ridiculous. Everyone is sort of looking around being like, why are you super slow-moing this? We want to see this. We want to see this in actual mo- Like slow motion yeah. I get, but super slow motion? I don't get it. Did that make it look like worse to you? or be- like Did it look more violent? So no, well? it looks oh, more okay. violent to me gonna, when it's yeah. regular speed because you're actually seeing the intensity. You're seeing the intensity and the speed that it's actually happening. Happening yeah. at. Slow, I mean, you slow it down to like. But you nothing. might see like, like like you would still ripple, see her but face. But who wants ripple. to see that? Like I don't want to see that. But it looks worse though. In that sense, it does. Yeah. It, it looks worse, but at the same time, like I don't want to see someone's yeah. face get rippled up at like super slow motion. I don't. I don't know why. TV networks continue to use super slow motion. I don't well, know what I it adds. It. I don't know what it adds. Like, I get it from time to time. 
but I, I mean, I see what you're saying, but then again, like, it, like, isn't this kind of like a human error? I mean, like, if someone watches Robin, like, soccer, you know, they watch the slow motion replay of him diving for, like, the fifth time a game like he always does, which he admits to. Yeah. Which is why, to me, he's a great villain, because yeah. that's part of his intimidation factor. Like, mm-hmm. as a fan of the other team, you know that that you can't challenge him on the field because he's just going to flop, and then you're going to lose the ball. It also helps that he's he's so shifty, so that if exactly. you do make one but wrong, if you're out of position so, for a yeah. second, he yeah. has you. But, yeah, sorry. Go well, on. like, every great villain is very good at their job. That's true. But um, when you watch that in slow-mo, like, yeah, you're right. Like, you know what? He's obviously going to dive. And, that, and okay, that Mexico one, where he, do- where he dove in the injury time, yeah. and they got the penalty kick, and they won 2-1, and everyone was pissed off because he dove... Fact is, that was actually a penalty. Mm-hmm. Like, like the guy did step on his foot yep. in the box. Yeah. Even if he wasn't diving, he would have fallen over. It probably would have been a call against him. He dove to, to guarantee himself the call. Yeah. So it goes both ways. But, yeah, when you watch it in slow-mo, like, yeah, you, I mean, <laughs> you could see him lunge forward, throw his feet back. Yeah. The like, full production. The but whole it, shebang. But if, you're, but if you're just, like, like a fan of soccer and you're watching it and, like, you don't want to hear the peanut gallery crying about the play, just, you know, just watch it and get over it. Yeah. Yeah, it's annoying. And I think the same thing for hockey because I love hockey and I don't like casual fans coming in and watching it and then getting mad because someone lays a hit and then like, and then like the guy's hurt. Okay, you know what? You're playing hockey. You're probably going to get hurt. Yeah. And even the little things like, and it, this yeah. is the hockey related yeah. when you're looking to see whether was it his elbow, was it or his shoulder, shoulder? was it his chin? Was it, it, yeah. How do you know? Yeah. I mean, like in full speed, the referee it, has no idea. At any part of the arm, you could, like, there's that middle part of the arm. Like, along Does he that separate bicep, his elbow? Tricep, from his, you have yeah. no idea. It, yeah, so how's the ref supposed exactly. to know? But then you slow it down and you make them all look like idiots because, of course, now we can see. Well, and what if a guy hits a guy with his shoulder, right? Yeah, and yeah. it's in the guy's head, which I, I gotta say, most of the hits that I've watched in hockey where the guy gets hit in the head... It's that guy's fault for not having his head up. Just putting it out there. But if a guy lays a head out and then you watch it in like super slow-mo, if his arm like comes off of his body, like any 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 little bit, that's I guess illegal because he's lifting his arm off it. Like it's not it isn't tucked. Yeah. But the guy that's making the hit, like he isn't he isn't thinking, oh, I, I better keep this thing attached at all. To, like he's still trying to make a hit. Yeah, of course. But you so so you're breaking people down and you're holding them accountable and guilty for things that are really like it's very, and yeah. if it's that hard to see in super slow motion, it's nearly impossible to see live. Especially when you're the when you're the players and you're moving at that speed and you're playing with that much emotion, like, and you're tired too. But it does help for you know goals, like seeing if something was a goal or not. Well, then, well, then they should they should limit they so should that's, limit that's the super exists. slow motion. Okay, so yeah. we're we're coming to a, a conclusion on that. We'll hopefully. I mean, this is it's just I don't know. For me, it's it kind of ruins the experience, but it sort of. Coming back, let's talk about Seinfeld for a second because this reminds me of one of the better Seinfeld episodes. Given that this is the 25th anniversary, slow motion and baseball and baseball, Keith Hernandez and this is the boyfriend episode and it's so good in two parts. Exactly, I was just gonna say it's so good they had to make two episodes. This boyfriend part one, boyfriend part two. (laughs) Jerry meets (laughs) Keith Hernandez in the locker room, which is also one of the the best little bits from George Costanzo when he talks about. He wonders why are there not more plane crashes during baseball season? That's right. You've got airplanes flying and he around. Asks Keith that, why it? are there not more yeah. airplanes? And then Jerry sort of gives him that look where he turns around, like, "What are you doing? Like, who's what? this chucker? <laughs> who's this? Ch- That's the chucker <laughs> episode. What's your favorite Seinfeld episode? You know that one's that one's up there. And I remember when I watched it because it, it it builds off of the JFK thing. Yeah. 
like the whole magic bullet thing yeah. like and then yeah. they that's that's one of my I like for me Seinfeld I don't I, I guess I don't really have favorite episodes but I have favorite scenes right and one of my favorite scenes is not not the locker room but the one where Jerry breaks down the spit because yeah. the whole episode is about how uh, Kramer and Newman got spit on by Keith Hernandez which yeah. wasn't actually Keith Hernandez they who did it yeah but they break it down like it's in JFK and the second spitter <laughs> and the grassy knoll which I thought was. Yeah, it's it's incredible, and it was around. That was just after JFK came out, the Oliver Stone's version of JFK like, the movie. I think in the episode, Keith Hernandez and Jerry go to see it. Oh, they're okay. talking about okay. going to see it. Okay, so everyone's into JFK. Yeah, at the time of the thing. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so but I was looking at it, and like all of my favorite episodes or scenes or whatever you want to call it, they all happen in like season three. They're all in the same like stretch of time. Yeah, I like the marine biologist. Love it. It's the best. Yeah, uh, and Is that I titleist. That's the, the That's great line at the end. One of the greatest cast yeah. lines ever. Yeah. And and again, shows you just how brilliant Jerry Seinfeld is because they don't swear ever in this show. And it's still so funny. Yeah. But anyway, um, the limo. Yeah. Where they take the limo by accident of the <laughs> Nazi. O'Brien and, O'Brien and Murphy. O'Brien and Murphy. <laughs> and they take the limo. And uh, the, the two Nazis are in the back of the car. Um, the I don't know if it's called The Tape. But the one where Elaine leaves that sexy message on Jerry's recorder. So good. And then George becomes heavily attracted to her. And yep. I think every guy watching the episode did it. That well. was kind of the, the launching the point of people getting of attracted Julia to Elaine. Louis-Dreyfus. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah, that was um, well, well played, Julia. Uh, the red dot. Yeah. On the cashmere sweater. The, uh, is this cashmere? Oh no, I'm sorry. What, yeah. Whenever they pulled out, what's this? <laughs> whenever they see the red dot, amazing. Also, I, also sort yeah. of on that episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. George gets caught sleeping with his... With the cleaning lady. Was that wrong? Should, should, should I not have done that? Because I was under the impression that that thing was was not frowned upon. That's that was to be Lipman, so right? That was yeah. Lip- yeah. That's the that's the on the wagon off off the wagon on the wagon off too. the wagon. Yeah. Elaine's boyfriend is a recovering alcoholic. Yeah, and uh, Jerry gives him a drink by accident, and he gets back on the wagon, and the discussion of on the wagon off the wagon begins. Comes in from that point. Um, two of my favorite characters as well, uh, Jackie Childs. <laughs> who told you to put the bomb on it's just it's unbelievable yeah and his case and in the very last episode when he comes back as yeah, well comes back they use yeah. him so well well he was he was great he was really like one of the only good good characters in, in that last episode yeah um jackie Childs, and i i think one of the best in tv history is george steinbrenner yeah because he was he's he's a real person obviously <laughs> but you never see his face they make him into to this bumbling like well the, the larry david voice it's just larry it's, david it's, it's perfect <laughs> it's it's larry david tr- not trying at all to be funny and yeah. still being hilarious yeah and that kind of launches his i mean when people you know actually the funny thing is the first time you hear larry david's voice is also yeah. the first time you meet newman it's in okay. it's in season two okay and kramer runs into jerry's apartment and says newman's gonna jump and they stick their head out You're Jerry's right. apartment and they yep. look up at the window and it's Larry David's voice saying like something along the lines of I'm going to jump and then Kramer yells back. But they didn't actually have a character for Newman at the time. Right. Wayne Knight wasn't on the show. It was Larry David's awesome voice. So good. And then yeah. Larry David goes throughout the entire series doing different bit voices. Different bits. He plays the, the uh, George's dad's lawyer who wears the cape. That's Larry David okay. as well. So he just goes through and then that to me is just genius. Like he, this is a guy who has written and co-created the show and he's got yeah. more money than God at the time and he doesn't mind. Well, now he does. Now he's but I, I mean that. at the time I think yeah. at the time as it was going on they were starting to win some right. awards and like yeah, he yeah, still yeah. wanted to sort of get in. It was kind of like the Quentin Tarantino thing which yeah. I love. Yeah. I I think one of the great things about, about the show though and partly with like like the Larry David voices is that like, every good show to me, it has to look like it's kind of being made on a budget. 
but still has to be funny. Yeah. Like it's weird. Like it has to look like any of us could make the show. Yeah. But that but it can't actually be made by, by one of us. Like there's it's, it's the everyday man effect. Right. But there was clearly a lot of like production value that went into every one of them, but those picks almost seem like they were on purpose. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Or like they were on accidents at some point. Like yeah. they, they, they didn't have anybody so they just found like Larry David to do it. I, I read a good thing by the A V Club today. And it was a blog about Seinfeld episodes that were like actually way ahead of their time as far as like social issues. Like the gay rights stuff with the outing yeah. episode. Yeah. Which you know, like, I think all of us would feel weird about writing something like that because yeah. you weren't sure who you were offending. And, and I read it, and apparently, like, Larry David was really, really worried about it. Didn't know people in the gay community would be upset by that episode, like, because, you know, they have the, not that there's anything wrong and with that. And that's the line. Like, that becomes but a that's the line joke. that actually yeah. becomes one that makes it funny and, I think, acceptable. Yeah. Like, it's a whole thing about how Jerry and George, like, they don't want anyone to think that they are gay. But, yeah. but of course, they're, well, <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Like, but it's that, it is such a good job, that that show of, like, making everyone kind of bad and good at the same time, like this weird thing. And, and I think someone who's picked off that since then has probably been like Tina Fey on 30 Rock. Like yeah. it, that show does a great job of that whole, like kind of playing both sides of each social issue type debate. But what, what they also did very well, and this is in the bet episode when they're betting on bet. who can masturbate. Oh, the glass. contest. Sorry, the, the contest. contest. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So when I watched that as a kid, I had no idea what, what they happening? were talking about, yeah. but I found it hilarious. Right. And the fact that they go through that entire episode without ever <laughs> mentioning what they're doing, yeah. but the audience gets right away, if you're of a certain age, yeah. what they're doing makes that genius. And I think that's kind of why Seinfeld has stood the test of time when it comes to television yeah. shows. It's why it's one of the most heavily syndicated and rerun shows. And I think sort of The Simpsons as we go yeah. on and The Simpsons eventually will end, we'll sort of be talking about it in the same light as... These shows are so good because they stand the test of time. The themes that they go through during each episode will be prevalent 20, 30, 40 years from now. Regardless of what's going on, technology, regardless of where we've come, those shows will still be yeah. funny. For me, my favorite episode, I'll touch on it really quickly because we want to talk about Federer Djokovic. Sure. Um, one of my favorite episodes, I'm kind of the same as you, I don't have a favorite, but one of my favorite is The Race. When Jerry, when Jerry yeah, yeah. Uh, claims to be the fastest in his class, <laughs> and he meets a guy that he's a girl that he's dating, her boss, and George and Jerry do this really good shtick in the coffee shop about how they've never seen each other for they haven't seen each other for like twenty years, yeah. And they they just they go back and forth, and Jerry, you know, oh, you you, you really went bald there, didn't you, George? <laughs> that to me was such a good scene. I love it. I I like the ones where they do go back in time, and yeah. one of my favorite ones for that, which I forgot to mention this earlier, <laughs> is the is the library book. Can't stand you. Can't. can't Catch danger, yeah, and then yeah. they have Bookman yeah. who comes in oh, like great. unbelievable. All right, that's good stuff. Oh, okay. I could talk about Seinfeld all day. Uh, Federer loses to Djokovic my... in the Wimbledon final over the weekend. He fails to take over the most amount of Wimbledon titles from Sampras. He's stuck on seven. I know that sounds yeah. weird to say stuck on seven. Yeah. But this is big for him because I think this might have been his one of his last chances to win. Years old. Yeah. To win a, to win a major. He um. He, it was all set up for him. He he breezed through Raonic in the semis while Djokovic went on a pretty tough game against um, a Bulgarian guy. I can't remember his name I off the top know. of my head. It doesn't matter now. Either way, he went to a five-setter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter now. Um, wh- wh- where, did, where does Federer go from here? What do you think? Well, he had an interesting quote after where he said... Dimitrov, by the way, sorry, was yeah. the guy that Djokovic beat in the semis. Federer had an interesting quote after where he said, uh, it's not like I need any, any more of these. Yeah. Which is a weird quote. It's a funny thing when to you, say. When you read it in like the full line, it's not that bad. You know, he what he's he's I, I think he's trying to be encouraging to him to himself. He's yeah. saying I've already got seven and I'm doing it. But when you just read that line, like 
you know, I don't need any any more of these. It's kind of like, that's odd. Like, then why are you still playing? So without overanalyzing it, is that... Uh, does that show his passion is sort of waning or, no, or is but it I just think, a different stage I, I in his career? I think he's accepted okay. where he is. Yeah. Uh, which would be hard not to if you were him because I don't know. I mean, I think this is like we're at a point in men's tennis where I really think, and it, you, it's hard to compare generations because it changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like Sampras won a couple when he got older. Yeah. Um, when I think people thought he was already done. And Agassi finished that. after winning the 2002 U.S. Open, yeah. finished on a high. So yeah. maybe that's what Federer is waiting for. I, I, I'd be interested to know, and we'll never know this, if he had won over the weekend, would he have called it quits? I don't and th- is he waiting to win one more? Like, that's an odd, like, he's, yeah. sorry, like, th- that, I mean, that, that's, that's not young in tennis. Sure. But it's not like he's ancient. Like, no, yeah. he's not, it's just that I think with the competition that the way it is in, like, in, like, the men's game right now. I mean, you know what? Yeah, he won his he won his straight sets over Milos Raonic, but they weren't easy sets. Like they were six four, six four, six three, or whatever it was, yeah. or six four again. Yeah. So it wasn't like they were easy. Yeah. Um. There's so much competition in the men's bracket. Like Djokovic is the best player in the world right now. Nadal's still the best on clay, and I think he's still capable of winning any other tournament. Absolutely. When he plays properly. Yeah. Andy Murray's come on strong the last couple of years to actually win Wimbledon last time, and yep. he won, what was it, like the he's US won, Open? He's won the Aussie as well. The Aussie. So yeah. I, I think there's so much competition in the men's game. So for Federer, like, I, like Sampras to me was, I mean, he was great, right, mm-hmm. until the end, but I think he took advantage of a couple guys failing it a couple times uh, to win sure. them. Yeah. And I think Federer, same thing with when he, when he won those French o- with that French Open. Yeah. Was he had, you know, Rafael Nadal had an off year. And Federer was like, okay, now this is my chance. And then he went out there and won it. So the question so I, I have is, is, yeah. is he going to get another opportunity on another off year? This was a year where Nadal, for some reason, whatever it is, I mean, these guys pick up injuries. It's a long season. He just, he bowed out earlier Imagine than Nadal people expected. Nadal so physical when he plays. Exactly. So. But you know what? Now we're at a time where you've got Warenka, who's also won a major. You've yeah. got Del Potro, who's won a major. You've got Dimitrov, who is very much on his way to winning a major. It's at a time now where Federer really needs to, I feel, take advantage of these opportunities. And this might be the last final we see him in based on the young studs that are out there playing really good tennis. So yeah, and you know you what might I, might have been the last. Yeah, th- sorry, it might have yeah. been the last. I want to go back on something I said a few weeks ago. I said that Nadal, if he surpasses Federer in majors, will be the of greatest time? of all time. I I disagree with that statement. Okay. Uh, after watching Federer again, it's one of those things that when you watch him, he's just such. He's the perfect tennis player ever made. Yeah, he he's the right size. He's he's so cool and calm got perfect mentality his backhand is like a forehand there's literally no weakness in his game that i see and that i think a lot of people see apart from time and you can't fight that nadal's different because nadal's so good on clay that it almost you raise your expectations for him on other surfaces so when he doesn't fulfill them and he's got a bit of an injury bug as well because of how physical he is yeah and it's hard to look at nadal and call him the best ever because um he appears to be so one-dimensional, even though he's not. No, yeah, I agree. Like, I think that his, his, his reputation, which we talked about this a few weeks before when we debated whether he was going to be the best of all time. Yeah, yeah. Him being so good on clay almost takes away from the rest of what he's won, even though that's not really fair. Yeah. But I, but I, I just think that the perception of him yeah. is, is different. And he's a lefty, too. Like, he, he plays the game so much more differently than Federer or even Djokovic does. Like, yeah. he's so much more forward when he hits the ball. And it's that kind of game where, like, if he's winning the match, like, he's probably going to win it pretty quickly because he's so dominant when he's on his game. Kind of like uh, Serena Williams. But I wouldn't call her the best female player of all time. But she's the most powerful, like, for yeah. sure. 
but that makes her look one-dimensional, even though she's won so many. So, whereas Federer looks, he, and he does look like the perfect tennis player. Like, him, Sampras, guys like that, like, they just, they have that appearance to them that makes them... I think as a yeah. fan and as, as a fan of the sport, when you're trying to find the best ever, you're looking for the most complete, the most yeah. well-rounded. Yeah. So, guys like Sampras and Federer are so well-rounded in the sense that they do every single thing they have every single attribute is a 10. Right. Everything is done well. And I think that's probably consistent throughout many sports, especially individual sports, where you don't want to pin a guy as the best ever if he's so good at one thing and it kind of dilutes the rest yeah. of the skills. Kind of like you look at you look at Nadal, nine French Open titles. Yeah. Like more than half of his titles have been in one Grand Slam. But still, though, like I still remember that, that 08 Wimbledon where he beat Federer. Which, which was, which is think, one of the best matches. I still of all think time. no. I, I still think it's the best that I've that I've ever. It seen. is. I mean, it's it's considered the the, the greatest tennis. Nadal match was up, and at this point, I believe he hadn't beaten Federer. No, in this a was the first Wimbledon. Final, this right? was the first Wimbledon that Nadal won. Yeah, and Federer won. had about five straight. And at, that at, point. at this time, I think Federer was still like the king of of anything that wasn't the French. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Nadal was up what two sets to nothing, and the Federer battles back, and then they go to the fifth. Yeah, and these are seven, and these are seven six. These are these are tiebreakers. Best that I've ever seen. Yeah, it was amazing, amazing tennis. So, so I mean, Rafael Nadal isn't one dimensional. I but you're right though. I think he just because you know Federer has seven Wimbledon's. So would you call him one dimensional? No, because that's grass. Whereas Clay, I think, carries a different stigma with it. Yeah, it's, it's and it's, it's, it's different. Weird... And you know what? If you don't yeah. know a lot, not if you don't know a lot about tennis. You don't know the huge differences between Roland Garros and Wimbledon right. in the sense that you're playing on a different surface. Like, yeah. the clay is the slowest court, grass is the fastest court. It's not like you go out there and you play the exact same game. Right. Which, which kind of adds to the, to, the, to the conversation when you're trying to dissect who's the best out there. Because you have to take all of these things into consideration. But if you're not a fan, the only thing you can really look at is the numbers. And when those numbers stick out on the page as strongly right. as they do, what are you going to do? It's sort of like when you're watching golf yeah. and, a, and a guy will drive the ball, you know, 350, yeah. like consistently. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But if he drive or, or, you know, he hits it like, you know, 400 or 370, whatever it is, I think it does take away from his overall ranking in people's eyes. I mean, Bubba Watson has won two majors, sorry, two masters. Yeah. Like that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Right. But because he's... He's a lefty. He looks odd. He swings weird. He hits the ball super far. People would never put him up there with a lot of guys who actually haven't won majors. Like he's won more than Adam Scott, but I think Adam Scott people see him as as a better golfer because he's more well rounded. I, I fully agree. And because Bubba Watson's a bit of a joker, he's a bit of a yeah, character, right? Yeah. So when you're trying to find the best of all time, not that I'm saying Adam Scott's the best of all time, but when you're comparing two guys with similar styles, oh, yeah. you look for the guy that's more solid or or safer. And the guy that is just, you know, that's going to go out there and, and just be the same guy, be the same consistent guy over right. and over again. Bubba Watson used to be known as the guy who was all game, no finish, because he had the largest, longest drive on tour, but he couldn't win. Obviously, that's changed because he's changed yeah. his game, but I think that sort of stigma is always going to be there with him. Yeah, and I think the same with, you know, with Rafael Nadal. Yeah. Like, like we've said probably eight times in the last ten minutes, like, yeah, he is not one-dimensional no. whatsoever. But I think you... And it, it almost makes it even more impressive how Federer... Has won all those because he's he's clearly done it while not being the fastest, yeah. while not having the hardest serve, while not having the most accurate shot, or you know not being the best at this way. But he's just won it by being 
the best at the best times and, and the best at everything and by outthinking the other guy most sure. most yeah. of the time yeah uh let's quickly end with some lebron free agency can he talk. be a free agent every single year maybe what if that was the nba the nba didn't really take that. place on court it just I, it was just a it's just a continuous yeah. like who's who who's gonna go where there should be a limit on contract signings like no one should let play for a team for longer than two years just to keep okay, sort yeah, of this yeah. thing going on you know uh, i you scared me i thought you meant a limit on like how many contracts you could sign in your career which oh. that scared me no, no, because no, no. It would be NBA more, it would be more contracts. All... Yeah. Yeah. So LeBron, so I, we're hearing that LeBron's, his agent's doing a bit of a power play, wanting him to go to Cleveland. A lot of people who have been writing on this stuff, experts say that Miami is still the favored yeah. destination based on the guy lives there. He's won titles with them already. Why would you leave? They're going to pay you your money. Could you imagine him going to Cleveland though? After Not at all. Dan Gilbert, the owner, Not basically told him to get lost and never come back. Essentially, you're going no. I mean, and for that reason alone, the fact that you're going yeah. to a lesser organization, I think. Yeah. You got. I think a lot of people forget to think about this guy isn't just going to go play basketball. He's working for a company. Yeah. So when you choose a company, you want to choose the best company that wants you. Cleveland is not as, or the Cavs are not nearly as good as Pat Riley in the Miami Heat. I think Pat Riley is actually a huge factor in this. It's Pat Riley. I think he is the factor. Yeah. There, there is not a guy in NBA history to me as an executive or as yep. a coach who is that like showtiming. Well, and, he's done it all. And cool. But he's also, but he also has the results to back it up. Absolutely. Like most of these guys who just chase headlines, like yeah. Pat Riley doesn't, I don't think he does it intentionally. I just think that's. That's yep. what he's like. Like yeah. he's got the Showtime Lakers. He has yeah. the slick back hair. He coached in 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 LA and then Madison Square Garden and now Miami. Like he's never gone anywhere, you know, bow dunk in his career. But it's Pat Riley. Like he's and 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 he wins. Yeah. So I I can't see. I just I would love to see him go back to Cleveland for like two years just so that we get that kind of visual of him back there. <laughs> but that it's not long enough because I don't want him to end there. Because I just think it's it's boring if he goes back and he retires there. I could see LeBron getting over the fans burning his jersey. Cause I went, think so. Because they're just fans. Yeah. I, I think I think that 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 he gets it. But the owner though, that's that is a huge, a huge thing, to me as far as where he's gonna go. I would be I would be very disappointed if LeBron went to Cleveland, because LeBron to me is a guy just based on his actions that he likes to impress people in the yeah. sense that he cares what people think. Yeah. Dwight Howard's the same way. He makes decisions or has made decisions in the past based on I want to make sure that everyone's okay with me. So for him to go back to Cleveland, I'd feel like that's a bit of a cop out. Yeah. I feel like he needs to make the better decision, which is stay in Miami. Right. Go win some more titles. They but, lost this year, so now they have they something to prove titles? again. But will they win more titles? That's a that's a legitimate question. Any team with LeBron James is in the NBA Finals, especially if you're in the East. I know, but then it's all on him. Whereas if he goes somewhere where maybe there is a bit of a supporting cast, he's saying, okay, because because if that's true... But Cleveland's not a supporting cast. No, no, but if, but if that way he has Kyrie. That's not a support... That's, that's an all-star. Okay. And he's got Andrew Wiggins, who's also a future all-star. So then, that's you've, true. then you've created the Lakers. Exciting. But then you've created a, a Lakers of like yeah. 2003 issue where you've got Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. Well, those are Hall of Famers. That's... that's no, even... I, I know. But but yeah. it's kind of like a mini version of that in the sense that there's only five guys in the floor. LeBron saying. demands 99% yeah. of the ball. Yeah. So I know what you're saying. I don't know if that's a good thing for him to go My with. only point was you said any team with LeBron James yeah. to win a championship. My point is, well, then he could go anywhere. That's I yeah right? I think he so, could go anywhere yeah so, so why not so why not just stay in Miami so why not just stay in Miami yeah, yeah. is kind of the thing I I actually think that it'd be better for Cleveland to not get him I agree as well like I don't know why they want him you focus on Wiggins 
Because you know what? In Wiggins, you have a guy that has all the talent in the world. Yeah. But you need to be careful with his transition. And there, I think Cleveland's figuring that out with a guy named Johnny Menzel as well pretty recently too. But you need to be able to like properly you know, develop that talent yeah. into an actual good professional. And that means on the court and off the court. Kyrie Irving has figured that out. Yeah. Like whether he's there or not as far as... That's you know that may be decided in five years or whatever, but he's but he's done his work as far as he has, and he and he plays a position where point. you're not necessarily going to be. He's he's a point guard, so your point guard is the most while it's sometimes yeah. the most important position on the floor. It's not the guy that's going to win you the title, not anymore, not in this game. You need you need a power forward, you yeah. need a shooting guard. You don't even need a center anymore. There's barely any centers left in the league that are actual big men. So Kyrie yeah. Irving would be a great supplemental piece, but the fact that Andrew Wiggins is there. Right, you're squeezing a guy out that has just been taken first overall, and I don't see the sense in that at all. You're squeezing out your future. I don't understand why they. Would. LeBron's going to play for another ten years. The the thing that you mentioned about LeBron and Dwight making choices because they care what people think about them, yeah, which is sort of lovable about them, but it it also it's kind of like quicksand, right? Because because you, you can't please everybody. We know that, but it, you all like when, when whenever they have tried to to pacify some people, it they only put themselves further in it. Like, when Dwight left Orlando for L.A., I think that was a case where Dwight wanted to leave Orlando. But then when it hit, but then when it all kind of, like, hit the fan, he seemed to kind of back off it a little bit. Like, he was, he was like, oh, I don't really want to be involved in this kind of... But then when they shipped him there, he was like, okay, fine, I'll go to L.A. Whereas the writing was kind of on, on the wall that he didn't really actually want to go there. Like, he didn't want the, that, that spotlight all the time. And it made him look even worse when, when then he bailed after one year to go to Houston. So he kind of did this weird thing where he tried to please people and it didn't work out. LeBron's the same way. If he was going to go back to Cleveland, it's probably it would be like that. I think maybe to to kind of get his reputation back. But who cares? Like, yeah, it's done. It happened. I don't know. You're in Miami now. Yeah, stay there. Win win the rest of your titles. But they're probably going to lose Bosh to Houston. Yeah. So you offered a max deal for year ninety six million dollars. Yeah. If he doesn't take that money, that's insane for Chris. He, if he doesn't take that money, he is as ridiculous as everybody already. Thirty thinks years he is. old. Yeah. Thirty four. You got an extra ninety six million. He's bucks. a piece. He's a piece. He's a wheel. I think he's still a very good player. I think he's yeah. been boxed out, quite literally. Yeah. In Miami, <laughs> by the other two. Yeah. Which is sort of unfair because Dwayne Wade has been like a walking. He's, you know, he's a dead man walking. Yeah. Well, that was fun. This was the Mustard Seeds podcast for this week. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can reach us on Twitter, or at least Colby on Twitter. At, at Colby, Colby Solinsky. At Colby Solinsky. I'm not much of a Twitterer. Uh, like, I have an account, and I've got, like, it's, stuff it's, there, but it's I don't ESP use it. Jacobs. Yeah, don't, but you have an go. identity. I have. I'm, I am a person. You're alive. I exist. On the, on the, the Mustard uh, Seeds. Forum. Oh, by the way, we're also on Facebook, Facebook page. Uh, we're on SoundCloud as well. We've got our website coming up. Uh, soon, and we're gonna be on iTunes. Uh, are we on iTunes? Yeah, we're on iTunes. That's we, cool. We will be on iTunes. We, we are on iTunes. We are. This will be on iTunes. I okay. Believe. Okay. Uh, and apparently, if you just stick out your head out the window, you might just hear us. Keep it casual. Keep it casual. <laughs>